The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. We're going to be looking at the last part of chapter 2 because we have in this place one of the best examples we know of of a conversion. In, in John 3, in the Gospel of John in chapter 3, Nicodemus shows up and uh, says to Jesus, we know you must be from God because of the signs that you produce and the things that you're saying. And then he expects Jesus. It's obvious that he wants Jesus to be impressed by him. But instead, Jesus says, you can't see the kingdom and you can't enter the kingdom unless you're born again. And then they get into this conversation about what in the world does that mean? And the man says, how can a a man when he's old enter into his mother's womb again? And so Jesus explains to him that he's talking about being born of the Spirit. He says, uh, you must be born of water and of blood. And he's talking there about the baptism that John the Baptist is introducing, which is getting people ready. It's an act of cleansing to prepare them for for the Messiah, the Anointed One. And then... uh, and Jesus is going to die on the cross. But when he says you must be born of water and the Spirit, he's talking about being water baptized. Yes, that shows your commitment to Christ. But he said also you need to be baptized with the Spirit because the Spirit is the one who produces this, this regeneration or the new birth, as we call it. Uh, and so when Nicodemus said this to Jesus, Jesus says you have to be born again. You have to be born of the Spirit and of water. So you have to go through this process of the new birth. Now, what the Bible teaches, this is what the scriptures teach. They teach that every single Christian has been born again and born of the Spirit. In fact, he even says in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 10, that every Christian has the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Peter, Peter says that every spirit, I mean, every believer has a spiritual gift. He says, as each one has received a gift, use it as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so it it was necessary for this new birth to take place. And we see a new birth taking place in the life of of Paul or Saul, who becomes Paul. His his name is Saul. He was born with that name. But when he was converted, his name was changed to Paul. And we see this transformation take place in his life that is very radical. There's a radical change of direction, a radical change of focus, and a radical change of properties, of priorities, rather. And so when we look at the the life of Paul, we see such such big changes that take place. For example, um, his, his determination before he met Christ was to destroy the church. That's what he wanted to do. He confesses that. He had a determination to destroy the church. In verse 13, it says to us, For you have heard of, of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to, to persecute the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. That was his mindset. He wanted to destroy this movement of following Jesus. Because Jesus came on the scene, and he claimed to be the Messiah. He proved to be the Messiah, and so because Paul was a Jew, he felt that, that this was a false Messiah, and he wanted to kill him, and he wanted to kill his people. That's what he was doing when he met Christ. He was actually going to Damascus, and he had the permission from the high priest to arrest 
people who were followers of Jesus Christ, and yet on, on his way to Damascus to arrest these people, he's confronted on the road with Jesus Christ, and a bright light is, is so bright that it knocks him off his steed, and he goes down on the ground, and he's there, and he can't see a thing. He's blinded by this light. And so Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and Saul answers and said, who are you, Lord? I thought it was kind of funny that, that Saul knew he was Lord, but he didn't know who he was. It was because he didn't think that Jesus of Nazareth was the Lord. But Jesus says to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And so later on, he meets Jesus, and he is, con- he is converted by him. There is a real conversion that takes place, and it's not a psychological conversion, uh, uh, but rather it's a supernatural conversion. He becomes a different person. He has a completely different attitude about Jesus and about the people of God. Instead of looking to arrest them, he becomes one of them. In, in fact, it's almost humorous that the people— who when they first hear that he has turned to Christ, they're afraid to talk to him because they knew he had come to Damascus in order to arrest these followers of Christ. And, and so they didn't want to talk to him. But the fact is, he was totally changed. So there was this radical change of direction. He was moving in a direction of destroying the, the way it was called, that is, the, those who were following Jesus. But secondly, there's a radical change of focus. In verses 15 through 17, it says, but when God was... But when God, who had set me apart from my mother's womb, in other words, he chose him to be used in the way that he was going to be used, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach from uh, from among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. I didn't go to some men and try to ask them what the gospel was. I heard the gospel from Jesus Christ. This is the whole issue of the letter. There are people who are saying that you don't listen to Paul because he is telling a lie. He he just wants to fool you. And so Paul says, no, I got this gospel from Jesus Christ. I didn't get it from some men. I got it from Jesus Christ. And so he has this radical change of focus. Before he was focused on of being one of the extreme men on the very leading edge of leadership in Israel. And now he has come to bow his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees that he is the eternal son of God, the Messiah who has come into the world. And so now he sees his goal and his purpose in life to reveal Christ as the, the Messiah, as the one that people should put their trust in. And he says, he called me through grace. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. That's what those two things go together. When God calls us by his grace, he then enables us, he allows us to know the truth about Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse, verses 5 and 6, it tells us that the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, and in the creation account, the Father said, let there be light. He said, but he's the one who now shines the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ into our lives so that we can see that he truly is the eternal son of God. And so he begins to follow him, the one that he was coming to arrest all of his followers and put them in prison and uh, see them uh, bound forever. Now he worships him as the Messiah. And then uh the response is, he says, I didn't consult with flesh and blood. I didn't go to Jerusalem to see the apostles. 
but instead I went away to Arabia. Now, this is almost humorous. It says he went, he went away to the, the backside of the desert in Arabia. And what he was doing, he wanted to be with Jesus. He wanted to ask Jesus some questions. And so he finds where Jesus is, and they go out into the desert. And, uh, and he got, he, some guy's kid about it that this is where he got his BD degree. That used to be the degree that you would get in seminary, the Bachelor of Divinity. But, but they said, but this means the backside of the desert. He went and spent time with Jesus, and Jesus showed him the truth of all things. And what he was preaching was what he learned from Jesus. And so while these people in Galatia are trying to say that his message is distorted and wrong, uh, what he's really doing is he's telling them the truth, and he wants them to understand that he didn't receive this message from men. He didn't get it from people. He got it from the Lord Jesus Christ through a revelation. And then finally, there's a radical change of priorities. Before, his priority was he was, uh, he was somebody who was at the top of the heap. He was zealous uh, for his career. He was at the top. He was the leading young man in the movement of Judaism. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and people begin to say, this is the Messiah that was promised from the Old Testament, they did not want to believe that because they didn't want to believe that he was the Messiah. They wanted to keep on in the Judaism that they had known from childhood, to keep on obeying the law and so forth. And so he, what, what uh, Paul was doing, he was controlling other people. He, he persecuted them, and that is the Christians, and he tried to destroy them. But now Jesus has got a hold of his life, and now he's preaching the truth about Christ. So there's been this radical change. This is a conversion. And it's not a, conver it's not a psychological conversion. It's a spiritual conversion. Jesus Christ came into his life, and all of a sudden, he came to see things as they really were. And he began to proclaim and preach and teach the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what must take place in order for us to be saved, that is, for our guilt and sins to be taken away. We are told that for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. These are the words of the man who before this was an enemy of Christ, who always talked about how he was not telling the truth. He was a liar, but now he has come to see that he truly is the eternal son of God, and he has come to put all of his trust and hope and faith in Jesus Christ. And so instead of Instead of persecuting Christians, he's preaching to them. He's preaching to them that the gospel, that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, and that he did die for our sins, and we are forgiven simply because we put faith in Christ. Now, this was a radical message. It was a message that so many people didn't want to hear because it seemed so absolute, and how would you know that that's true? Well, the way that a person comes to be convinced of it is through the testimony of the Holy Spirit. This is what the, Jesus told his disciples. He says, it's good for you that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. And then he goes on to explain what the Holy Spirit's going to do in their lives. He's going to convince them of the truth. He's going to cause them to remember everything that Jesus said. And he's going to show them the future. He's going to show them what's going to happen in the future. And so they begin to live their lives depending upon the Holy Spirit of God confirming the truth to them about Jesus Christ. 
And this is exactly what happened to Paul. And so Paul, who had been, who had been the leader of Judaism, which rejected Jesus, becomes a leader in the movement of Jesus. He becomes a preacher in the movement of Jesus because he had come to be convinced that Jesus truly was the eternal Son of God. And he had come into the world to reveal the truth and to accomplish this glorious reality of, of paying for our sins and removing our guilt and our separation from God. So that's what this section's about. It's about the true transformation that, that the Apostle Paul experienced by the Holy Spirit. He came to believe the truth and rest his faith in the truth. And so he continued to teach this throughout his whole life. In fact, most of the New Testament, 13 books in the New Testament, were written by the Apostle Paul because he was full of this truth and he wanted to get it out to every person. He wanted them to come to understand that this law-free gospel, this gospel that says the way you receive from God is by faith. Everything he gives you is a gift that you must receive by faith. I once had a man tell me that he was really nervous about his life because he had suffered a severe sickness. And he said, I know I should turn over a new leaf because my life has been so bad. And what he was talking about, he was afraid that he couldn't go to heaven. And so I said to him, well, uh, here's the thing. The only way you could get to heaven is if God would give it to you as a gift. And he said to me, he kind of chuckled because he thought, yeah, you, I know I really am that bad, aren't I? And I said, cheer up. You're worse than you think. You're a lot worse than you think, but what God is offering you is far greater, and it's a free gift. He wants to give it to you as a gift by faith. Now, faith is simply putting trust in Jesus Christ. It's realizing that he really is who he says he is, who the Father said he was. If you remember when Jesus came on the scene publicly for the first time, God spoke from heaven and everyone heard him. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so what we want to do is listen to what Jesus Christ has to say. And that's what's revealed in the written scriptures. Uh, The Bible says that all scriptures, all that God has allowed to be written for us is, is, is inspired of God. That is, it's the creation of God, and we can trust it. We're told in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it's able to pierce to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and it lays us bare. Now, that language is talking about the inner man, and he says what it does, it lays us bare before him to whom we must give an account. And all that means is God knows the truth about us, We can't hide it from him. He knows the truth about us. And what he says is, you can come to me and you can be totally transparent. You can be truthful. You can confess your sins and you can receive the gift of forgiveness and come to have, to be an heir of all things if you simply put your trust in my son. And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news that there is salvation in no one else except the Lord Jesus Christ and what the job of this, the Christian is, is God wants us to tell others about the truth of the gospel. I know that's a hard thing to do. I know it's so easy just to ignore it. But the fact is, it's one of the greatest joys that a Christian can have is when they share with people the truth of who Christ is and what he has done in order to bring them into a right relationship with the Father. This is what God wants us to do, and it's what he will give you deep and profound joy in doing. And so all Christians should be encouraged 
to, to be like the Apostle Paul and to tell the truth about Christ, learn the truth about Christ, and then tell the truth about Christ to all those that God puts in your path who will listen to this good news about salvation in Christ. And so that's what this book is about. There are people who are pushing back on Paul because he's saying, you don't have to keep the law to come to have a relationship with God. You have to believe on his son. And this is what the New Testament teaches throughout. It's what Paul believed, and it's what we believe. It's what Christians believe because God has validated this message in so many ways, and he still validates it today in our lives. And so he causes the, 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 the bright light of the glory of God to shine into our hearts and reveals to us that it's Christ that we need. And when we receive Christ, we receive his salvation and his justification, which simply means that God receives us as someone who is perfectly righteous in his eyes. We are fully and completely received by the Father because of the Son. And so that's what this book is about. And this is that one place probably where we can see so clearly that the new birth, this conversion that takes place, is something that takes place supernaturally by the work of the Holy Spirit. He causes the light to shine in our hearts so we see the truth and we are compelled to believe the truth. And so this is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to first give us the light and open our eyes, and then he wants to use us to tell others about this same truth. Let me pray and ask God to help us in that whole process. Our Father, we thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the truth about Christ and that you have revealed this truth so clearly to us in your word. And I pray that you would help us as we live our lives on this planet, as this our nation and our world is going through such a difficult time. And I pray that we would come to, to see and to understand in a deeper way this glorious good news that you have given us. And we can tell anyone that you bring into our path, because, Father, we thank you that you have received us, and we know about our own hearts. We know about how flawed we were, and yet you received us simply by faith in Christ. And so we ask you, Father, that you would work in our lives and that you would give us opportunity to bear witness to the person of Christ as Paul did and to see people turn to him and receive the gift of salvation through him, we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.